0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening to the Pony Stampede podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or on PonyStampede.com, a part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Billy Emboddy, publisher of PonyStampede.com, with you guys for what will be a brief, uh, really, subscriber mailbag on... um, uh, uh, mainly football questions. I'm going to address kind of where things stand with basketball and kind of expand on on that on Monday's pod because we have a lot to get to here um, and really honestly not much pressing things going on with basketball at this time. I do want to unpack SMU landing a graduate, or excuse me, not a graduate transfer, but a uh, transfer at safety in Cameron Jones on, on Wednesday. And then um, Mike Roach of Horns 24-7 is going to join us uh, later on in the podcast, he and I have been uh, in Houston, in Dallas, um, uh, across Louisiana, taking in spring ball, watching prospects. And so we picked a few SMU ones to talk about that he's seen um, while we were both down in Houston together. So I hope you guys enjoy that part of the podcast, um, had a really, really good time uh, recording that with Mike. So um, let's start off with the big news, right? Former Mansfield um, and Nebraska safety Cameron Jones announces um, with our Chris Hummer that he's going to transfer to SMU. A huge land for SMU. He's a he's a six foot two hundred pound safety that's got legit four five speed. He's a track guy from his high school days at Mansfield. He was a top two four seven prospect overall. So somebody that certainly has the talent, and we've seen Sonny Dykes and. And uh, the entire coaching staff addressed needs with talented Dallas area transfers. Um, and that's exactly what Cameron Jones is. He was hurt um, his freshman season up in Lincoln and um, didn't play at all. So he redshirted this past year and announced uh, earlier this spring that he was leaving the program. And um, I had heard for a while that they were going to take two defensive backs. I didn't realize it'd be Cameron Jones made a huge land, somebody who will have either four years to play three or all four years of, of potential on-field eligibility to play if uh, a waiver for instant eligibility is approved. So Cameron Jones, a guy that was uh, his district MVP at one point, all district, um, and look, he's, uh, he's kind of similar to pat nelson in that he's comfortable playing in the box um and so he can kind of play in that role a little bit um and and naturally step into pat's role um when uh when it's all said and done for him after he's done this year now coming out of high school smu really recruited cameron jones hard i mean that was a target that they were after for a long time uh he ends up in nebraska i mean they 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 were in it but um you know didn't end up uh, getting him out of high school, of course, but um, he's a guy that had offers from Baylor, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, um, Oklahoma. Even had offers. Uh, Texas was evaluating him. Uh, Mississippi State had offered. So some really high quality programs uh, were in the mix for Cam. He he ends up, like I said, picking SMU, a huge land for the coaching staff uh, to get him on board and and uh, you know get get another option there at at safety because. Um, Look, he, he's a huge, um, you know, prospect. I mean, ta- having talent to start with is it goes a long way. You don't have to develop that as much. He's got the tools, um, and now he'll be in a position where he can play a lot. It's at a position of need, and he's another local player coming back to Dallas uh, to, uh, you know, uh, play his college football. So, um, as far as the rest of the transfers that I'm hearing about. Most of them are probably going to announce in the next couple of weeks. Most of them will be on campus in June. Um, I know one in particular is waiting on uh, graduate school uh, admission before announcing. So that's that's one. Uh, another one's just kind of taking his time, I guess, with it. Um, so there, there are um, and then there's there's probably two others that that they'll get on board, at least uh, that I know of. So a uh, lot more transfer news to come for SMU. Really high quality addition, So um, keep it locked on Pony Stampede, and we'll have we'll have the latest. We'll be ready to, ready to roll as they uh, announce their future destinations. So huge land for Sonny Dykes and SMU and Cameron Jones. Uh, I wanted to answer a couple of uh, questions on uh, uh, some recruiting stuff, and um, and then we'll get to the interview with Mike. Um, I did want to say a, a good about. Half of the on-field staff was over in Nigeria conducting a football camp uh, through a foundation over there uh, this past week. Everybody's back on the trail, so I haven't been able to talk to anyone at length. Um, and even, even Anthony Crispino, who's uh, 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 one of the senior ADs um, and in charge of football ops and everything like that, he was over there. But he's now... Uh, down in New Orleans for uh, the director of football operations uh, meeting so he's busy too so I, I'm I'm trying to roll out a story about it but the the gist is exactly what it looks like they went over to Nigeria they conducted football camps um, in terms of recruiting Nigerian descent kids I mean I I don't know I haven't been told of any there there are probably kids that they're recruiting of Nigerian descent I mean yes it would help I mean I, I don't know Um, it it can't hurt. It's one of those things that it can't hurt. Um, but the, the same reasons that Danielson, uh, EK, you know, signed with SMU, that family vibe that, you know, um, that close knit community here in Dallas, the Nigerian community. I mean, again, this only helps. So, um, can't hurt, um, at all. Uh, but we'll, we'll have more on that. I'm going to get some of the guys on for a Q&A and, and and write a story and do all that but again I mean right now they're trying to recruit and trying to do all that so um, the way the days worked out uh, with having only a limited number of days on the recruiting trail they did want to go over to Nigeria and do do that so um, very cool uh, experience for them there uh, now uh, two quick hitting questions uh, I have no estimates on when Jake Call's eligibility will be resolved Um, That's a question from Smooth Twice. The NCAA doesn't give timelines on that, so sometime in the future. Um, And then uh, Shamar Johnson, uh, no one is on campus yet from the signing class outside of the early enrollees. They all come June 1st, so um, there's that. So don't expect anyone on campus from the 2019 class right now. But uh, Shamar Johnson will gray shirt. Um, we reported that back on signing day that he's going to be a gray shirt guy. He's got to get his grades up, and um, so he's going to take some time to do that, and then join the team at the, um, you know, as an early enrollee. That's the plan. So I'll uh, we'll kind of monitor that, but all all signs are kind of pointing to that as well. Um, finally, uh, want to answer a question on linebacker recruiting, um, and then I'll save. SMU grads. Big question, which is, uh, who could I see as a surprise for, for SMU, and who could I see as a potential loss uh, for SMU? I'll save that one for the next pod. That's a that's a good interesting question, but I want to take some more time to address it. Um, but in terms of linebacker, uh, look, I mean, the the I will say this, it's a uh, it's a pretty average linebacker class. Uh, especially well, I will say in, at inside linebacker. it is a pretty average uh, recruiting class. Um, and that's kind of across across the board. I mean they, there's kids all over the country that are probably getting a lot more praise than they you know really uh, you know might be because it, it's just kind of thin. It just is what it is. Um, and um, I will say this the the one player that they're really on hard, um, but they'll have some ground to make up with is Corey Flagg, who's the North Shore Houston linebacker. Um, he's an inside backer, true inside thumper in the middle. Um, the only thing is he's 5'10", and uh, but the dude can play. SMU's really high on him. They're trying to get him back, for, uh, back on campus for a visit. Um, he actually um, tweeted at uh, Kevin Kane to come see him uh, about a couple weeks ago. So... Um, look I mean he's he's very much an option for them I think there are uh, you know some other guys that you know they they probably that are probably listed as outside linebackers that they feel could probably play in the middle um, you know we'll just kind of have to see how it all shakes out but um, they I think are expecting to get a, a transfer at linebacker in terms of uh, you know a true middle linebacker so we'll kind of see how that plays out but yeah I mean the, the cupboard um, certainly in the middle is a little different uh, than it has been. Um, Shane Haley uh, would be your upperclassman type guy uh, in there. Miles Duke hasn't really shown much, though. Um, Delano Robinson is probably somebody that can play in the middle. Um, and then you've had Jimmy Phillips there a little bit. I think SMU is kind of trending away from the traditional uh, inside linebacker look like Corey Flagg. Would be, and they're kind of looking for longer guys uh, that can play in the middle there. I mean, they just like length all around, and so I, I think that um, that's kind of uh, what's going on with that position overall. So we'll we'll kind of track it. I'll I'll do some digging and kind of see if they do have some true middle linebacker guys that they really really feel uh, feel good about. Um, they had offered Jaquandis Burns uh, early on, but he ended up at Ole Miss. Um, but really, like I said, um, you know, the Corey Flag has been kind of a big, big target for them. He just hasn't um, – he's got to reciprocate a little bit more interest. And I think when it's all said and done with him, I think SMU could very well get an official visit because I just don't see a lot of these high-profile programs that are – that have offered, um, you know um, – uh, you know, I, I just have I, I just don't see any any of uh, not any but a good bit of them um, ending up being committable type offers for him. I mean, it just at five ten. It's I just don't see it. Um, Power five schools are just going to be a little um, wary about taking a prospect like that, even um, as you. I, th- I think Devin White bucked the trend about having to be you know a six linebacker, six three middle linebacker. Uh, as long as you can run and tackle and do all those things and play in the middle, I mean, play in the mess, um, you know, you can you can be a good player. So um, I, I really think uh, there's a good chance you you know you see Corey Flag end up taking an official visit and then we see what happens from there. Um, with that though, I'm going to save the rest of the questions that you guys have for Monday's pod um, as I continue to gather more information on basketball recruiting, kind of where things stand there, and then um like i said i wanted to take some time to really kind of do uh to address uh uh smu grads good question about um you know targets that uh you know could could fall into smu's lap or ones that they can lose and things like that because i I thought that was a good question so with that we're going to take our our quick break here uh from the pony stampede podcast and we'll be right back with our interview with mike roach right after this hey i'm brett podolsky
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match
0: limited by state law. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. I'm Billy Emboddy. Joining me now on the podcast, a man who's been a part-timer at 24-7 Sports for a while now. He's earned this. He's now a part of our full-time staff at 24-7 Sports. Covering Texas for Horns 24-7, Mike Roach, welcome to the Pony Stampede Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a, been a long road, but uh, you know, you've know you been one of the originals who's down with me since the beginning. So uh, I appreciate your support, and I'm happy to uh, speak to the SMU fans. Uh, I grew up in Irving, and uh, my dad worked for Budget back when Budget sponsored the team, and we got sideline passes to watch Ramon Flanagan all the time. So I grew up actually going to a lot of SMU games. Um, some may know me on the board because I wrote a love letter to Jonathan McGill after he committed to SMU. I don't
0: know if that's a sore spot, um, but regardless, I'm happy to be here. Uh, that is some great background, much better background than my intro for you now, uh, that that's mm-hmm. out of the way. Uh, a, oh, and,
1: and my ex-girlfriend played in the Mustang band. Ooh, that's a sore spot for you.
0: You think? Nah, no, you we're want, still, you won that one. We're your still your friends.
1: wife is awesome. My wife is great and we're still friends. So... Huh? Uh, you know,
0: diamond in and all. Yes, there it is. Uh, well, um, look, uh, Jonathan McGill, not a sore spot. I think for SMU fans, they were pretty okay when he uh, ended up at Stanford. I think that was a very natural fit for, for Jonathan, as you know. And um, We're going to talk about the the current target, so for SMU uh, on the back half of this podcast. Really excited to chat it up with you. You've, you've been out on the trail. You've seen some of the key guys. Um, you've been exposed to some of the guys we've talked about as well, We're going to talk about as well. I want to lead off with the recruiting battle of the century for SMU, and that's uh, Dallas Parish Episcopal quarterback, the number one dual threat quarterback in the country in the 2021 class, Preston Stone. You were just out there. Uh, we put out a lot of content around him, some great content pieces. And um, what, what were some of your takeaways spending some time with Preston?
1: Yeah, you had a content piece. I've actually had a free one free story with that. I wrote up with him on orange 24 seven. So if anyone wants to go read that, it's free. Um, it's just a quick plug. Uh, peace swag, as I like to call him is, uh, one of the best, one of the best kids I've ever met. One of my favorites. Um, just a, a fantastic, you know, uh, Chris Hummer wrote a great article about how, how Preston grew up kind of idolizing Johnny Menzel. And it's funny because the first time I ever saw his film, I thought, man, that guy plays like Johnny Menzel. Um, just a phenomenal quarterback at the private school level, which I think has its own knocks in Texas. It's, you know, private schools aren't powerhouses and they're separated. And you go to a private school game and you may see a Preston Stone or a Walker Little or a Marvin Wilson, but you're going to see a lot of kids that are way, way far away from being that, uh, you know, the majority of them on the field. Um, man, Preston was, you know, I think people laugh when they talk about SMU and, and a in a near five-star quarterback, but Preston, from what he told me, and, I mean, Billy, you heard the audio. I sent it to you afterwards so you could write your stuff. Preston's very much in on SMU, and a lot of that has to do with the fact those brother's enrolling there and will be on the roster this fall. Is he a scholarship player? I didn't ask him
0: He's to. going to gray shirt. He had an injury okay. um, that they're going to let heal up, and so he'll gray shirt. He'll be on scholarship in uh, in January as of now, which I think is also interesting to note in the recruitment as his clock won't start. For right. an extra year. Right.
1: So it's an extra year Preston could potentially spend with his brother on campus. I think Texas did a great job getting in very early with Preston before he blew up. Um, they basically have not offered another quarterback in 21 because they feel really good about Preston. feel really good about where they stand with Preston. They think Preston is the guy for them. And all that said, I think he ends up at Texas. But SMU is a very, very serious contender. I think you noted He's on campus quite a bit, uh, just about every week. Obviously, it's a quick trip to it for him. Um, I think his family probably still. I, would talk, I don't know exactly. I think they still live in the Highland Park area. They do. Yep. Um, so, I mean, obviously, it's a stone's throw away from from the house. You can hold on. You can't just do that. What stone? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> wow, that's the uh, the wings talking. Um, yeah, no, uh, that's a uh, wow, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm dumbing now. I, I'm stunned. Um, I didn't even mean to do
0: that on purpose. Neither uh, do I when I do, do that stuff. People just hate on it. Yeah,
1: really. I, that, sorry, guys. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think SMU is a very serious contender. Um, I think for Preston, he's the kind of kid that feels like he can win anywhere. He's got a great presence about him. And that's kind of what I wrote in breaking him down after going to see him the other day. Um, and I've known Preston for a while, but he's really growing into it as he gets older and he's just got this, it's, it's a confidence that borders on cocky, but walks a very fine line to where it's not off putting. Um, but it's the confidence you want your quarterback. I liken it a lot to Sam Ellinger at Texas, where a lot of people kind of think he's an asshole, but <laughs> yeah. you kind of have to be that way to play quarterback and, and be that c- kind of competitor. And that's what Preston is. Um, you know, I, 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 like I said, I, I think that in the end, I think all signs are kind of pointing to Texas at this point. But, man, it would not surprise me at all if he went to SMU. I think he's very comfortable saying, I can go there. I can do whatever there. I could play. Probably play early. I don't really know what the SMU situation is. I know it should start right away. My guy Shane is is headed that way. Um, we can talk about Shane Bouchelle too. Ooh, we'll have to touch on that. We yeah. didn't put him on the list, but that's my guy um and uh but no i think he can, thinks he can go there and play uh he's a guy that i think knows no matter where he goes he's going to get noticed it's not going to stop him from you know potentially reaching the nfl level um i think the most Im- impressive thing about preston that i noticed this offseason he's really grown um last year i saw him and i thought man he's kind of small and this year I saw him, and he's kind of a unit now. He's like 6'2", 205, uh, built real thick in the lower body, runs real well.
0: About to say, I saw him at the spring game for SM. Yeah, I mean, he just kind of looked almost uh, like tall running back-ish. Yeah. In the lower body, just overall. I mean, he, he and his brother are walking around. him, mean, he's he's bigger than his brother. Yeah. It?
1: Oh, yeah. He's thrown he's into a big kid. So, very encouraging, especially for a guy who runs as much as Preston does. Right. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, – I think, like I said, I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ended up at SMU.
0: One way or another, right? I think. Right. I mean, when you look at the the depth chart at Texas and you look at it at SMU, I mean, there's a there's a natural path, a more natural path, I would say, for him to play right away at SMU.
1: And I think the funny thing is, is in, in just in college football today, you recruit multiple quarterbacks because you're guarding against transfers, right? But by recruiting multiple quarterbacks, you're causing transfers. It's like a weird cycle with the portal now open. And so anything's in play now. And, um, you know, even if he were to end up at Texas, it's not uncommon for guys to transfer nowadays. And I think the SMU, regardless of where they finish in his recruitment, has put themselves in a position to where if he ends up somewhere else and decides to make that move, they're probably the move.
0: Interesting stuff there. That'll be uh, one, obviously, that we'll be following for a while. Um, Another one that – we don't have to follow up for much longer, but is, is probably about as high profile as it gets uh, for SMU in terms of their skill position guys that they really want that they're that they have really uh, said that's our guy and that's somebody that you love no more than probably anybody else the Colony wide receiver uh, athlete Miles Price. Um, it, just what did you see from him when you were out there at spring practice the other day?
1: Let me say this. If Miles Price ends up committing to SMU, I will be returning to the
0: board to pin another love letter. <laughs> well, uh, maybe you know for the people on the board. Maybe it's not a good thing. Maybe you write it after he signs. You maybe sign
1: after post-signing day love letter to Miles Price. Um, Miles is a kid that I've known forever. Just, in general, a really good kid. Like, just one you root for. And I remember going to seven-on-seven tournaments with his team. And Miles was the best player on the field. I mean, he was untouchable. He's he's like a legit probably I don't know, well, he didn't run at state, so I don't know if it's verified
0: time, he tripled and jumped, right? I think or Well, long He did jump. the long jump and placed fifth at 5'9", five, 5'8". Five,
1: yeah, I was gonna cite a hundred time for him, but I'm not sure it's verified. But I think I've heard he's like a ten five, ten six, hundred kid, which is, you know, blazing. Okay. And so um he fits in that slot. He's kind of he's incredibly smooth and a guy you can play in space, throw the ball to and he can he can You know, take it 60 yards for a touchdown, no problem. I remember going to seven on seven tournaments and seeing that. And I, there was one tournament in particular that I actually, to save money, rode with his coach down to the tournament. And Miles was in the van with me the whole time, so I got six hours of Miles Price in my ear while I drove. (laughs) Um, And we were talking, and he was just like, "Man, no schools are talking to me at all." This was last year. I mean, this was
0: literally like a year. Heading into the summer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's like, no schools are talking to me. And I told him, like, Miles, we're gonna get you offers, like it's no problem, you know, I'll send your film out to guys I know. But like you're you're gonna get offers, you know. You just you have the athletic profile, it's gonna happen, don't worry. And sure enough, I mean he went to, he hit the camp season really hard last year and I think started picking up attention. I think in fact was SMU
0: his first offer? Thought it was TCU. But it could be SMU. I'll have to go back and look on his profile. But I thought... I mean, they were
1: one of the first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were
0: right in there right from the beginning.
1: And I know he he was at that joint SMU-Texas camp last year. Right. And, and really actually grabbed the attention of Texas at that camp. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as they're still evaluating him, and he's a potential offer guy for them down the road. So, um, you know, really hit the camp scene hard and, then, and, and, and earned his offers, I think... You know, for Miles, he's going to make a smart decision. He's a really smart kid. Um, He wants to take his visits, see what's out there. But he speaks very highly of SMU. I think he's a kid that doesn't mind staying close to home. Um, He's comfortable with the fit in the offense, which I think is very important for him because he is such a hybrid player. You know, he played running back at the colony forever, and then they finally have moved him to the slot where he can, you know, he's not just running the ball out of the eye, which is not really his game. And so, um, yeah, I think SMU's right in there. I think there's a couple other schools. Colorado's probably in that mix as well. Um, but, uh, you know, SMU, I think, has probably the in-state advantage. Uh, Texas Tech maybe up there as well. But, you know, some future things down the line could happen to change, change the dynamics there.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, again, how recruiting boards shake out and where, again, Miles, who I, from what I hear is close to setting an smu official visit, um, will, will end up. He's going to be one we're going to be monitoring all the way until he makes his decision. I wanted to continue on the offensive side of the ball real quick. Uh, SMU extended an offer. Chris Brassfield was out at Maynard High School. He saw Taj Brooks, who's committed to Tulsa, but look, I mean, at this point, he's not going to Tulsa. Uh, no. He's he's picked up a ton of Power 5 offers. He picks up SMU today. He's somebody that SMU's been monitoring for a while. They've been by Maynard a lot. Um, back-to-back 1,000-yard season, what do you know about Taj Brooks? you think there's a chance he could end up in Austin somehow?
1: He's a guy Texas is monitoring, too, and and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them circle back and and extend him an offer as they're running back, too, as they chase, you know, the elites in the country like Zach Evans. Um, But Taj has been an incredibly productive player at Maynard over the last few seasons, as you mentioned. Um, You know, he's more quick than he is fast, but, you know, he's a guy that I think has a natural feel for playing running back. Which I always find much more important than, than raw tools because I've seen a lot of guys who are fast but have no feel for vision or finding a hole. And I think having that natural instinct, it lends to like a, you know, like a, almost an Emmett Smith type where you don't have to be the fastest guy. You can be, you know, maybe the most instinctive guy or the best runner and, you know, you don't have any problems there. Um, I think that he would fit great in an offense that like SMU runs where they can, you know, spread it out and kind of. Run, set up the run, spread the run, and uh, use gap schemes for him to get into and use that quickness and and get to the second level. Not sure he's ever going to be a guy that's going to go for an 80 yard touchdown, but he is going to be a guy who could rip off some 30 and 40 yard runs and and pick up yards and chunks. And I really like him. I mean, there's a reason he's rising, uh, you know, around the country, I think. A lot of schools look at him as a
0: versatile back who can catch the ball in the backfield and do a lot of things for their offense. Yeah, top 50 running back nationally. I think he's, uh, I think he's just really beginning to re-tackle the recruiting process. But SMU now in the mix for him. Somebody they've been in the mix for a while as we switch over to the defensive side of the ball in the 2020 class. Here's your moment, Mike. Justin Northwest outside linebacker Cooper McDonald, uh, somebody who SMU has hosted a couple times now on visits. What do you see out of Cooper McDonald?
1: Well, he's a he's a, one of those hybrid type outside linebacker edge guys. Um, I think again, we also did the LSU podcast, and I mentioned this on there. So if you're if you've listened to both, uh, I'm repeating myself. But one of my favorite scouting terms is the word "bitch kitty" for an outside uh, pass rusher, <laughs> and and basically just what it means is they are a terror off the edge, um, and that's what Cooper McDonald is. He's a guy that can. You know, line up on the end and really get after the passer. Um, I'm not familiar enough with what SMU runs defensively. I don't know what is, are they a four man front traditionally?
0: Traditionally, they are. They, they've, I mean, they've played a three man front against TCU. They've, they've kind of done some different things. They, they love versatility in their guys. So, I mean, I'm with you. Somebody that um, like Cooper McDonald is is a a real good fit for them um, on a, in a lot on a lot. Of, on a lot of levels and has already set uh, his LSU um, excuse me you got me going with the LSU there uh, his SME official visit for June 6 too so a guy they're gonna get on campus here uh, pretty soon as well.
1: Yeah and I can see here on his profile one gold in the discus which is always very you know something it's one of the things I look at in track and field guys who throw the shot throw the disc um, you know it shows some of that some of those things that I think translate hip explosion things like that um, you know, I mean, if they're multiple enough and creative enough with what they can do with him, if he can, you know, rush from the edge or put his hand down from time to time on passing downs and um, really just let him chase the passer. Don't depend on that guy to, stay, to set the edge against the run, but just let him terrorize passers. I think, you know, he's really rising. Again, a guy I think Texas has taken a look at and said could be a potential guy down the line. So he's he's really you know, starting to rise. Justin Northwest is a program that doesn't get a ton of attention. Uh, but they always seem to have one or two guys each year that can play. And I think, you know, Cooper's been one of the most uh productive defensemen in in the Dallas area. Uh, his brother was uh was a pretty good player as well. So uh you know, it wouldn't uh wouldn't surprise me to see him actually turn into a, a, a bigger recruit by the time we roll around
0: to signing day. Yeah, I mean, a guy who's a top 100 outside linebacker, borderline top 75 outside linebacker. Uh, Washington's entered the mix as of late. Uh, Colorado just in the last week. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a power five. Utah's in there as well. Uh, programs like that. It's going to be a, a, a tough recruitment for, for SMU, but they've been in there pretty much from the beginning for them. The one that you saw today work out um, as we move down uh, into the southern part of the state, the Houston area, Houston North Shore, linebacker Corey Flagg. I know this is one that SMU's high on. They've got some work to do, it sounds like, but what did you see out of Corey Flagg today?
1: Corey is probably pound for pound, in my eyes, the best defender in the state. I think that a lot of people get hung up on the fact that he's like 5'10". He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he is a tackling machine. He does everything very well um he reads he he reacts to to run gaps very well he feels very well he's solidly built he's a great tackler very physical player he's a throwback middle linebacker type of kid um and i think that a lot of times we get too hung up on the athletic tools and sometimes we forget that man this guy's just really good at playing football um, and, you know, it, that doesn't work all the time. You know, there's a lot right. of guys who are good high school football players that don't have the athletic tools to really translate. I don't know if Corey's going to be that guy. What I know is that I would bet money that Corey is a productive college player because of the way he goes about his business, uh, the way he plays the game. And, you know, it sounded like from talking to him, a lot of East Coast schools have entered the mix for him, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Miami, uh, three schools that, that he mentioned are standing out for him. But SMU was in there, you know, fairly early for him, and I think that that stood out to him, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I know he's mentioned SMU and North Texas, both the schools he'd like to make return visits to, um, and I, you know, I don't know if that necessarily means they're going to get an official. But, you know, getting back on campus, do a little work, and maybe you can work towards that official. I think he – I think Corey Flagg would be a fantastic, you know, American Conference uh, player. I actually think – and this is just me. I don't care really about height in a middle linebacker. I don't. And he, I'm with Corey, you. Corey even mentioned today, like Devin White broke the mold. Yeah, and he, stuff like
0: that. He was six foot. Yeah, he was like Devin, maybe. Like, Devin, like I know he got yeah. in at the combine at six foot, but he's he's got that for for everybody.
1: Yeah, he's like there's guys who are breaking into the NFL that are kind of showing you you don't need to be six two to play middle linebacker. Yeah. Um, and I think Corey could fit in that. Now I think and he mentioned today also, he really wants to work on his speed that if he can knock a couple like a tenth or two off of his 40 time, he really becomes a you know a, a really intriguing prospect at that point. And, and, I, and I would agree with him. And so you know if SMU could get him, I think that would be a monumental, you know maybe as good as they, they could land in this class type of kid that can play three or four years starting for you on your defense.
0: That'll, that'll kind of wrap it up on, on the current prospects we're going to talk about. Uh, let's get back to what you mentioned earlier uh, Shane Bouchel coming to SMU. He's already signed uh, financial aid, paperwork, and all that. So he's in the boat. You can kind of give your little love letter now.
1: Yeah, Shane is. Um, okay. So, first of all, for a kid who grew up in Irving, Texas, went to ball games at the uh, Arlington Stadium, had a, Sh- a Steve Bouchel poster on my wall. The first time I met Shane, actually, was right after he committed to Texas, and I told him, you know, I used to have a poster of your dad up on my wall, and he said, yeah, a lot of guys your age say that to me. (laughs) Makes
0: (laughs) you feel old. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: For sure. But uh, Shane is honestly one of the best kids ever, I've ever met. Um, Was just a consummate professional in, in many, many ways at Texas, from a guy who came in under Charlie Strong and started as a true freshman, had probably you know I would say a pretty good year by a true freshman standard.
0: Coleman McCoy's records,
1: yeah. I mean, threw the ball all over the place, and then coaching change happens. The offense doesn't fit him anymore. We mentioned it earlier. A lot of guys in that situation are immediately set for transfer. Shane stuck around. Not only last year, he stuck it through this year. Was called upon in some important times. Came in for Texas. Tom Herman said on multiple occasions, he is the best teammate I've ever coached. And I will do anything to help him go wherever he wants and, and do whatever he wants. So um, I think he commands a lot of respect because of the way he goes about things. I think he is a phenomenal person. I think he's a phenomenal passer. He just didn't fit Texas' offense anymore where they need a little more running ability from their quarterback, and that's not Shane's game. If you want to talk about a surgeon who can stand in the pocket and pick you apart, that is Shane Bouchelle. I mean, uh, a couple years ago when he was in the Elite 11 was the most accurate passer there, uh, to, uh, Trent Dilfer raved about just the way he performed in high-leverage situations. Um, and I think his fit is what SMU does. You know, he excelled under Sterling Gilbert playing in that veer-and-shoot kind of air raid offense where he's got multiple quick passes. He processes things really quickly. I hope that Shane Bouchelle has the resurgence that we think he can have at SMU. I, I hope nothing but success for that guy. I hope that, you know, and he's going to be fine regardless football or not football. He's going to be fine doing whatever he wants to do, but truly one of the most gifted and, and wonderful people I've ever met in my life.
0: Yeah. It's going to be fun. Two years. They get him for two years, which is huge. And, um, I mean, there's just a mentality that when you meet him and, you know, he and I have traded texts. We met, I covered him as a recruit briefly here and there. We traded, you know, some messages and talked on the phone, but I met him briefly at the SMU spring game and, and just um, didn't want to do an interview, just wants to go to work, get here this summer and, and go forward. He'll have to do a lot of interviews once he gets uh, yeah. on campus. But right now he's ready to work. And um, for SMU with where they're at, especially with the offense, um, Having him on board is just such such a boost of confidence. And it'll play out with a quarterback competition and all that. But, I mean, it, look, at Shane Bouchel's job to lose, and, and I think rightfully so. Incredibly
1: tough kid, too. I mean, his first year at Texas, their offensive line was awful. Terrible. He got beat to hell. I mean, he was probably concussed once or twice at some point. He had shoulder issues. I remember the game, the infamous game that they lost to Kansas. I was at that game covering it for the outlet I worked for at the time. And just talking to him in the locker room afterwards, I was like, Shane, you're hurt. Like, tell us you're hurt. Just say I'm hurt, okay? And he was like, no, I'm fine. And you could tell, like, his shoulder was about to fall off, literally. Just one of the toughest guys I've ever met. Um, man, I can't say enough good things about him. I'm going to have to go to SMU games just to go see Shane. Like, I, told, I told you yeah, I to absolutely and credential. Absolutely. And I'm all in for it because I love that kid to death, and I hope he gets everything in life that he's looking for.
0: Cool. Awesome stuff on this entire pod, man. It's been a lot of fun spending uh, you know, 24 hours in Houston with you and, and getting to uh, cover a little college football recruiting, man, and talk a little bit more about it. So it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. That's going to do it for this edition on the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Pony Stampede Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Please leave us a rating and a, re- and a review. Subscribe to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Check us out at PonyStampede.com. Have a great weekend, everyone.